Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks well-known friends three thought-provoking questions or wash down with three glasses of wine. And this week I'm joined by two friends who are kind of colleagues from a distance at Heart Radio. First up, a high-flying editor who created her own destiny when she quit her job in publishing to start Mother Pucker, an inspirational web portal for parents. She's also the founder of Flex Appeal, a campaign to encourage us to work more flexibly and... She's a Sunday Times best-selling author of Parenting the Shit Out of Life. It's good. Read it. And there's a new one coming your way, my friends. It's called Where's My Happy Ending? A book about lasting love that she's written with her husband, Matt. Anna Whitehouse, thank you very much for coming in. Can you do my PR? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? <laughs> Just need that as a pep talk every morning. But that's you. That's your actual Thanks. life. Now, joining Anna, a fellow Heart Radio presenter, she is a super duper model turned TV and radio presenter. Not to mention the niece, I love this, so sexy. The niece of a former MI5 boss who happened to be female, kicking ass right there already. Well, you might know her as uh, being named one of British Vogue's model faces to watch. She walked the runways of Vivian Westwood and Chanel in her time before quitting to become the face of MTV and the voice of Heart Radio. Lila Parsons, God, it's lovely to see you. Hello, it's so nice to be here. I can't believe your aunt was an MI5 boss. Yes, I'm definitely not allowed to talk about it, but she was. She was. Well, you know, I know She's that. very cool. 
growing up, we had a family friend um, who my mum met through work. And it turned out after, I mean, literally in the, in the years before he died, he started to drop snippets to us that he was a code cracker at GCHQ. Oh, that's very cool. And he was he was plucked from the army in World War Two because he was good at crosswords. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? And I remember going home in the 90s when I was editing Smash Hits and I was really like pleased with myself. I was like, I have got a fax machine. And he turned around and said to me, you think that's new? And I was like, what do you mean? using those for a long time decades I was like oh. I never knew the fax machine could create such a facsimile it's not, it's facsimile. not really 007 is it <laughs> well it's as close as I can get I mean it's not your aunt <laughs> but no, I, I met uh, Ruth Jean Bourne who was one of the um, Bletchley Park code crackers <gasps> amazing she was like 96 and she said she c- cracked codes you know took on took on taking Germany down and then she left, uh, obviously, when uh, the, world, the world wars were, were gone. And uh, she couldn't get a job. She was like, I was like this insanely talented human who had taken on World War II. Uh, and after that, there was like nowhere for me. It was like, how she had two how kids. How wrong is that? Yeah. So that was quite, I thought that was quite We have so much to thank these women for. We do. without them, we wouldn't be sat here. Absolutely. My granny did something quite cool. She used to train, in World War II, she trained the um, pigeons, you know, that carried the messages. The carrier pigeons. The carrier pigeons, yeah. Pigeon trainer? Yeah. Your family are awesome. (laughs) I know, I always feel like it might be a slight disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) When you go, yeah, I'm on MTV, I've just interviewed Craig David, they'll be like, like, "Mm, yeah, did you you save the country? No, you did not. Also, when you listed my modelling accomplishments, you definitely took like the five good jobs that I had. (laughs) You did not mention me on the cover of Make Jewellery magazine. (laughs) Well, look, babes, I've worked... In the same way that I don't talk about my own work as the host of Sausage of the Year Awards. And uh, I have worked on Practical Caravan magazine as a junior reporter. I was the tow bar expert. So we're, well, there we go. Have you model for a knitting catalogue? <laughs> <laughs> and then I went on to practical motorhome. <laughs> like, oh who can God. have the shittest job? So listen, tell me, how did you two become friends? Through heart. Yeah. But you didn't, you've never hosted together. No, no, we never hosted together. But as soon as she started, I became quite a fan of her show on Heart. I was, I was, I was a bit of a fangirl. I used to just DM her saying, oh, I listened this week. Well, it was really funny talking about the dog eating the vibrator. And it was when the Poundland, when Poundland issued a vibrator and Lila was quite excited about that. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely not the story. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was it. It was almost like uh, friends also at heart had said, oh, you've got to meet Lila. And then, you, and then you keep hearing these things and you start getting to a point you're like, well, maybe I don't want to. You're like, maybe I don't want to. And Stop then you meet her. Stop forcing her on me. Stop forcing this wonderful human on me. And then suddenly we met and I was like, oh, she's great. She's it's just great. like, sort of mutual appreciation society yeah. it's great though isn't it when you find somebody and you feel like ah, oh, yeah you're one of mine yeah come into the nook yeah slightly... I feel like we're actually really lucky with that at heart I'm I'm a big fan of all the girls who work there I don't I don't feel like there's a sense of so competition you've got Zoe Hardman there who's fantastic you've got Rochelle you've got Emma Welby. Bunton there's a, Kelly yeah. Brooks there Kelly Brook Kelly, yeah. yeah she's KB. good fun it's such a good bunch yeah it's really yeah. lovely well, it's, and, it's, and it's nice to see two women hosting their own shows not assisting a male do you know what I've doing it on your own? Is people always say to me, "Oh, so um, the person that does all the technical stuff in the studio with you," and I'm like, "No, no, no, that'd be that's, me. That's me. Yeah, I drive the desk. I do that at the same time as the talking bit." And they're like, "Oh, really? Well, well done. done. Yes. <laughs> Slow clap. Well done, woman." 
So, ladies, I'm going to hit you now with three questions. Um, Can we drink the wine yet? Just drink the wine. I've already started. I just need to warn you, I am a massive lightweight. So, sip gently. (laughs) I can spritz it for you if you like. No, it's fine. Anna's like, drink the wine. Drink the wine. Hey, I don't want you spritzing anything, darling. Now, Lila, this is a nod to your fabulous aunt because I don't think we can underestimate how prominent a position she held in such a boys' club. So, sticking with the spy theme, you're entered into a witness protection programme. Who are you? What's your backstory? And what are you going to do with your brand new life? Bloody hell, this is brilliant. <laughs> well, you know, like I said to you earlier, I've built a little bit of a following up on Instagram, so I don't want to, like, give that up. <laughs> That's all right. I just, it would depend whether I could change my name without any uh, complexities on And uh, what about if you could still keep your level of followers? I was going to say, Anna wants the paid posts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, give me the hashtag ad. <laughs> I mean, I've actually given some thought to this question. So for me, I would re- redesign myself as a barrister. I'm thinking sort of a Mull Clooney. Oh, yeah. like The a husband's s- optional, but I mean... Fierce female barrister. Yeah, I want to like, you know... I, I, Take I, on the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to leave a footprint that is a good footprint on this planet. Yeah. And I think she's somebody out there that's that's really doing that in she's, a way that's super smart. She's always in my weirdly in my, in my mind. You know, there's certain celebrities who you go, they're what with would they you do? and you know you'd self-combust when you see them. Uh, I think my, my dream would be the opposite to that almost. Uh, it would be just to... I don't know, be in a non-flammable shell suit uh, in a motorhome uh, on the coast of like Bognor Regis or something, just drinking a kind of tepid milky brew. I don't Wh- want the Why expectation. Why such bad sports casual wear? No, I mean, it wouldn't be flammable. <laughs> Do you remember the Tammy Girl um, I remember when you went out and did a flash mob in Tammy a shell Girl. suit. Yes. You like a shell suit, it don't you, Anna? It wasn't flammable. That's it. But I think just, I, I think there's so much expectation and... Um, like weight and pressure on female shoulders. I just want to take a little break for a bit, you know? You basically on, want to on the coast. Wayne at a slob. <laughs> no. I'd like there would be hygiene levels. Yeah. Yeah. But just like no, just to kind of let this life go for a bit. Just for a bit, yeah. yeah. But keep my following. Yeah. But keep your online following. Yes. Add. See, I think I might go for a quite a basic, straightforward life in comparison to one that is the schedule's up in the air. It's all over the place. Yeah. I work such weird hours and such weird days. Like, I'm always there to ring up my friend saying, are you free? It's, you know, lunch on a Monday. No, Lila. No, we have a job. We're at work. <laughs> yeah. Whereas on a Saturday night, I'm um, on the radio, which is great. So I think I'd quite like to do a nine to five, Monday to Friday job. Yeah. Well, I, I quite like, you'll probably think I'm mad because you've both got children, but I'd quite like to be a primary school teacher. That's great. I, I think I'd that. love to do that. That's changing the world. Miss Parsons. I used to I used to Miss pretend Miss. to be a teacher when yeah. I was little. I'd get I'd give my dad I mean this is obviously when I was like six, but I'd give him some of my homework that I hadn't done and he'd take it into work and photocopy it and come back with like twenty pages and then I'd fill it all in pretending to be different kids and then I'd mark it and I just loved marking. My God, you're busy. That's about eighteen personalities you're working right there. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's skills. And you love that. Have you, yeah, I mean, again, this is a long time ago, but... Because, like, do you, do you guys have a plan B? Do you have, a, like, a if-it-doesn't-work-out scenario? Well, I do actually work with kids at the moment, do which you? is quite fun. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I've nearly finished training to be a youth worker, um, which I do, like, one or two days a week. Um, I work at wow. my local youth club, and so I work with kids between the ages of nine and 18. Um, That's amazing. Which is fun. But Lila I, Parsons, you never cease to surprise... <laughs> Didn't you do it over Christmas? There was something I saw on Instagram over Christmas, a picture of you. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like uh, 
glamorous party. Yeah, like suddenly youth worker. It's like the two contrasts. Where did that come from? I just wanted to get involved in my community, and I've always been interested in basically kids having the best opportunities in life so wanted to sort of get involved and see if there's anything I could do and I honestly had no skills or anything so I just rang up this youth club and they invited me along and like the first couple of weeks I was just there doing the washing up and stuff and I thought well at least I'm vaguely helping I don't know uh, but it's been really fun and a massive learning curve as well. So tell me what, what does that entail training to become a youth worker? So it was about seven months probably last year not obviously full-time but every Monday night and then lots of coursework and then about 60 60 um, hours monitored with with the kids so it's learning all about kind of the this is voluntary work yeah yeah that's awesome yeah it's been really fun and learning all about the kind of the legislation around working with kids safeguarding all of that um and have, you made have you made mates? Like, how does it work? Can you? Oh yeah, we've got a really nice team. Yeah. I feel I feel really at home there. It's lovely, and you know, I know all the kids now. Yeah, and I'm much more confident with them. And then I did really, um, and you obviously learn about like adolescent development, which is really interesting. But then the practical stuff's really fun. So I did a, I had to do a group work project with some. Uh, teenagers last year and I decided to do it on radio because I thought well at least it's something I know about so I kind of did a uh, course introducing them to radio like teach them how to be presenters and we made little demo radio shows and then at the end I took them on a tour of my workplace which was really fun so they got to go to global radio and see all the different studios they really don't that's the irony like they really really don't but they're sweet that's brilliant God, I feel really crap about myself now. Oh my God, don't be silly. <laughs> I mean, I've got a couple of direct debits to charities, but that's about it. I just find it really satisfying when I see the kids enjoying stuff that I've put on. So when I watch them kind of developing and getting into the radio thing, that was really exciting. And one of the kids I was working with, he's 18 and he's got autism. And he was really shy at the beginning, but he does love his music. And he just got so involved with that. And then when I he started doing a um, little made-up breakfast show with one of his other... Um, friends and I realized that he was just flourishing in this environment his friend was in the studio like oh I don't know what to say I'm terrible and he was like no you're not you're great come on you've got this and it was so cute that's so nice isn't it when somebody can find when you can help somebody to discover a place where they they blossom yeah Yeah, it's um yeah but I mean I've got so much to learn I'm a total beginner but I'm loving it it's good because I think we live in a time now I think yeah there was some research released last year that said for our children the next generation they will have probably five careers the, the, is it slashy? The slashy generation? Hyphen generation. The, the multi-hyphen. Uh, yeah, the multi-hyphen generation. It's funny because when I first started out in modelling, that was always like the laughing thing, wasn't it? Oh, she's a model slash something else. Yeah. And now but now it seems thing. to be okay. You're allowed to be an actor, a musician, yeah. a model. It's not, it's not so a actually criticism. that reinvention is probably a great life tool. Well, you said your, was it your aunt was a pigeon trainer. Uh, my granny, granny. yeah. Granny. Um, my daughter the other day, she had her chicken nuggets nicked on uh, Brighton Beach by a seagull and she just <laughs> said, I will be a seagull catcher. That is what I will do. And that's what she wants to be as her job. So, What's you know, she going to do with the seagulls once <laughs> she's caught them? I don't know, but it was just said so deadpan. It was just like nobody has tackled this issue. You know, it was sort of like there's seagulls everywhere. Very they are honest. stealing people's food. I mean, that is gutting. She's five. And she was <laughs> like, no one has fixed this and I shall be that human. So <laughs> it's sort of like, 
I, you know, I kind of in my mind was like, yes, absolutely, go for it. You know, follow your heart. You be that seagull catcher, but you might need to be a slashy as well. And <laughs> yeah. Add a little bit of, you know, working in Subway on the side of that. Um, <laughs> because sandwich maker was another thing she was interested in. So, uh, yeah. But I think you've done that as well, Anna. You've been gutsy. When you, you, I mean, you were raising children in Amsterdam. Uh, your first, your, your daughter was born in Amsterdam. Yeah, she right? was born in Holland, yeah. Where they seem to just have that work-life childcare balance a little bit more nailed than we do here yeah and then you came back to the UK and it wasn't working out for you and you felt compromised so you quit your job and you started a huge campaign to help other women and and, and father you know mums and dads find a more flexible way of living so that actually it's not one or, or tougher yeah yeah it was I think because my family's Dutch I mean my mum's one of nine so you know the Roman Catholics and uh, didn't believe in sex before marriage nine. until a while <laughs> after <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's, I used to work at Tommy Hilfiger in Amsterdam and I remember my Dutch boss at like 5pm, uh, the London and New York offices were like phoning in going, we must have this conference call, you know, as is the panicked way of big organisations. And my boss just went, no, Amsterdam won't do it. We'll be there in the morning. <laughs> and I was just like, thank fuck for that. Thank God for that. Yeah. Uh, and he just walked out the door and the next morning we had the conference call and uh, it was fine. And he just went, it's shoes, it's handbags, it's fine. <laughs> and I was like, and it's right. And I could see London and New York just self-combusting going, the whole enterprise will come down if we don't have this conference call. But he owned it. And I remember seeing in that moment a human owning other people's lives because mm. it meant that whether you had children or not it wasn't to do with being a yeah. paid to be there till five Let's it go. was about you know do you want to go for a two-for-one cocktail weather spoons or you know it was about living outside of work and I think I'd seen that in Amsterdam and then came back and was hit with a brick wall of inflexibility in London and that was when I quit um when I was on the tube and uh, I was 12 minutes late for nursery pickup and I was sat on one of those tiny primary coloured chairs meant for an infant and told off by my key my daughter's key worker, then charged a pound a minute after six. Yeah. And it was like this self-flagellation exercise and I just thought in that moment, I quit, I can't do it. It's not me, it's the system because I worked hard to get here and I cannot build up my girls you know, to do their ABCs, their GCSEs, their A-levels to have the same door slammed in their face. Um, so that was when I quit uh, the, from the L'Oreal group, who are wonderful, and I still work for them. I didn't quit because I wasn't well, working. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's not just them. It was just, a, I realised it was just across the board, and that was where Flexapeel started. Which is where we first met. Which is where we first met. And I was like, I'll join your flash mob. I'll do that with <laughs> Came you. Came along. And I was running a, a, a small team of people at that time, and I had already in 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 introduced to the business flexi working and that for me as a, running a startup that was my way of in trying to get the best people in I couldn't offer them great salaries but I could offer them flexibility and, and for parents that's kind of priceless you were the reason that uh, my dad started taking my campaign seriously so no is that Kate Thornton off the telly it's like Kate Thornton off the telly. She's sorting flex flex. I love that it wasn't taken seriously when it was no. his own daughter. <laughs> it's just literally like, oh, what is this thing? Because it, he's part of that archaic layer that can't see how it works. Yeah, work he just thinks you relevant. go to work. He was you stay he's at a work. wonderful human and he's since come round. But it was like, well, yeah, because there were a lot of people sat there. We, we did this kind of panel discussion, didn't we, Anna? Oh, and so there intense. were a lot of people going, well, it's, you know, you say that. It all sounds very idealistic. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm. She's saying it and I'm doing it. And I'm telling you what she's saying works. And you get far more out of people if you give them flexibility. It's like, I don't want to see anybody in the office if it's sports day, their kids' assembly, parents' evening, yeah. your child is sick. You know, 
that that's more important. And I heard from a guy a couple of days ago who said he asked his boss if he could leave to pick up his kid uh, from nursery two days a week. You know, just leave on the on the dot of five. And his boss said, "Well, can't your missus do that?" And he's like, <laughs> oh. "Well, um, my missus is a brain surgeon, so uh, you know, you pick a, you <laughs> oh, pick a lane." That. And it was just that wonderful moment of this kind of unconscious kind of bias and these gender stereotypes and construct oh around us. And he was like, she is a brain surgeon, so you decide. And it's not 1980. Yeah. I remember last year when, um, <laughs> or the year before last, when Holly Willoughby was covering for I'm a Celeb and all the papers were saying, but who's going to look after her kids? And I was like, maybe her husband. Fancy. <laughs> you don't just spunk and leave. You know, like... <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Actually, this was my second question to you. It's about pushing back and redefining boundaries. Yeah. And I think there's so many that need addressing, and we've naturally just segued into it. So I want to know about the boundaries that you think need addressing and that you've pushed back and and kind of have, have walked the walk and talked the talk for yourselves with that. And, it, you know, you're quite right to highlight examples like Holly. She'd be the first to say the same, by the way. Like, yeah, well, their dad. But actually, she flew them out there and took a tutor and... Um, she had the kids with her, but but even if she hadn't, even if she hadn't, who cares? I think and, it's about six weeks. And, and did anybody ask fine. Deck who was looking after his daughter? I, I'm sure no one did. No, no, no. I, I say it like I know him. <laughs> no, he, I, I was at dinner with him last week, and he said no. They did he not said, ask. That did, that did not happen. <laughs> so talk to me about the boundaries that you've had to push back against. Uh, I think it has been actually exactly what you just said, like amplifying the voices of men in this discussion because I feel like my husband, uh, behind the scenes, he's sort of desperately trying to be an ally, but he's a bit scared of it he? all. He's desperately... This is Father Pucker. This is, uh, yeah, Papa Pucker. Father, Father Pucker sounds a bit more religious. Um, yeah, it does, doesn't Father it? Father Pucker. Sounds like a hot priest. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. If it's a flea bag, I'll take it. 
Um, Did you um, know that Fleabag has increased the um, the searching for priest porn by about <laughs> tenfold? Yeah, they, yes. they've taken it right into the like the top search terms in the world. Yeah, I mean, there was fact. there's a boundary <laughs> <laughs> that has been absolutely broken. Mm. Um, I suppose boundaries in terms of uh, we you know we've pushed back a lot around. Um, flexible working nine to five being really archaic and it was Sir Ian McKellen's great great grandfather in like 1846 who pioneered the two day weekend which was something I found quite fascinating he was a knackered factory worker who just went guys six days a week this ain't working and it was yeah it was Sir Ian McKellen's great great grandfather that gave us the two day weekend I did not know that yeah, yeah I was talking <clears throat> to someone the other day about um, how weekends didn't used to exist they just didn't exist I, that never even crossed my mind until until one person wow. pushed the boundaries of what what our normality is and no one was questioning it and we keep I think we feel like we're cogs regardless of whether you work flexibly or freelance or however you feel a bit like a cog in a machine that you're owned by yeah. a company that owner and pet mentality and that's the, the boundary master, yeah. yeah it's like oh please sir can I have some more please sir can I go to a doctor's appointment and it's like there's it's a badge of honour for the first in and the last first hour first in last hour and whereas when you go to the scanty countries actually if you're sat in the office after hours they figure that you're not coping and therefore you're you're lacking in professionalism yeah. when actually no you're doing probably more in a shorter yeah. time you're just more productive or you go to Spain if you work through a lunch hour they just think you're odd yeah. like, why don't, would you not go out and have a full sit down meal with some wine <laughs> All I really want All I really want to change is not having to email your boss with details of why you need a doctor's appointment or going into sort of your gynecological workings because you feel like if you don't qualify it with I may have bacterial vaginosis <laughs> that they're not going to believe you. You know, and I think we've all done that where you feel you have to put the smear test down to qualify that you're not slacking or you're not taking time off and being irresponsible and it's like Coming to coming back to what you said about boundaries, it's like breaking down that owner and pet mentality in whatever industry. We need to talk about ways in which this can work. And it might not work, for example, if you're a brain surgeon or you're doing a shift in A&E, but it can work for a lot of people in a, in a digital age where we can be remote and still productive. Does work in, in the NHS. Does it? Yeah. Does it? Yeah, How? Uh, NHS ward-led rostering, where basically spoke to a matron at Birmingham Women's Hospital a couple of weeks ago. She gets all of um, her nurses together and she said... I don't want to know how you do this, just work it out amongst yourselves. So she said... Power to the people. <coughs> she said, it works, because then they work as a team. There's none of this, well, Sonia, you know, has been off two days here. It's like they sit down, they talk as a team. And she said, the difference is, instead of me saying, we need someone to cover Sonia's shift, Sonia's messaging me going, I've changed my shift with Tracy or Barry or whoever it is. So she said, it's taking work away from me and it's working. So it can work. I in, stand corrected. Be- uh, and I'm happy and to be there's fewer corrected. deaths on wards that work flexibly so that's that's like, an amazing fact it's, it's that's enough isn't it to it is a, you know don't just be too, too dramatic but it is a case of life and death that's, in many ways that's an overwhelming fact there you go drop that wow. I was going to say drop that C-bomb I wasn't going to drop the C-bomb <laughs> just drop the bomb I think you're always just trying to prove that you are where you are because you're good at your job rather than because someone's helped you. I remember someone saying, oh, you're posh, so, you know, your parents knew someone in this industry. I mean, I am a little bit posh, I guess, but my parents do not know a soul in TV. (laughs) They are remotely uncool. My dad was an accountant, so... Right. There was no kind of advantage there. 
Um, it's big, don't people make terrible assumptions if you're well-spoken um, that you've had a leg up or a, a head start in life? My husband uh, decided one day to just speak like the Queen because he thought it might do better for him. So him and his and sister... Kind of like his sister uh, speaks, you know, proper Cockney slang, and he speaks like the Queen, and he gets people accusing him of being a public schoolboy, and he's like, "No, no, I was raised by my mum in Barnet in a one bedroom, well, one a bedsit essentially." And so he's he said it's interesting seeing he just one day decided to oh, speak like the Queen, and you know he doesn't know whether his career would have been different or not, but. I think there is a sense of how you sound, assumptions are immediately made without so. knowing the backdrop or the story or how you got there. Maybe, do you think that social media is stretching the way in which we live, operate, communicate? I don't are know we we'd have been friends without, so if it, on a really basic level, I don't think we would have kind of been sat here without it. Yeah. It has good and bad. Have you, have you had a good experience online? Uh. I find social media really interesting because I think it can be addictive and you can realise. So I, I actually deleted it on my phone over Christmas and so for about three weeks. Um, not because I don't like it, but I just wanted to see if I could spend my time doing other things. And I realised once I deleted it that my thumb would automatically go to the spot where the app was. Wow. Talking to my cousin about Instagram at Christmas and she was saying she finds it really positive. She's a mm, young mum and she's, she's, she's curated who she follows and it's all stuff that she finds helpful. So it's not people's lives that um, make her feel rubbish about her own life. She's following... Uh, other mums who have great ideas so yeah. she was telling me about you know activities that she's decided to do after seeing them on Instagram so I guess it's about kind of curating your feed so it's, it's, you know if there's if someone's making you feel rubbish if their posts don't make you feel good maybe even if they're your friend I think the best thing is to just mute them yeah, because totally. then they don't know mute, mute is the best mute is wonderful because then they don't get offended that you know you've unfollowed them no it's like talking yeah. to someone at a party and you can't hear them over umbop on the speakers you're like sorry I can't sorry I can't hear you but I'm sure you're saying great things I'm sure you're having a great life I'm sure you're having a great life you're right it's about who you, who do you let across front door you know and yeah. into your home if you've, that's if you've muted me Kate I've not muted you, if you babe if, we, if there is a any if there is a muting, mutual muting, mutual muting. <laughs> but you know one of my bugbears is when people come on a, uh, online and they go um, just to warn you I'm having a bit of a clear out and I'm culling uh, and, and then, then you the sit there and think oh god like Okay, thanks for sharing. And then next, <laughs> congratulations, you've made it. Like I didn't call you. I'm like, what kind of behaviour is this from an adult? Do you have? Have you seen? You know what I'm talking about. I used to see that on Facebook. <laughs> so All the declarations of I'm off. I'm off with I'm a roll away. Social media now. I'm, I'm going off. Taking later. a break. Twenty four oh, okay. hours later. I hope we survive without you. <laughs> I'm having a digital detox. Well, go on then. But I seem to have curated my explore page, so it now is just cute puppies and the odd <laughs> picture of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> I love it. Oh, but listen, if, if you could live in an ideal world, that would be it, wouldn't it? Cute oh, puppies I'm and there. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Do you know what? I, I went up to her and asked for... I don't do this with people, but I went up and, and, and had a little conversation, told her what a fan I was, and then I did. I just said, is there any chance I can get a picture? And do you know what she said? She was so nice. She was like, yes, if you don't post it. And I had that moment. I was like... Why do I want the picture? So I've got the picture, but I told Phoebe I wouldn't post it. Yeah. So I've not posted it because, you know, we've got that bond. But I was like, <laughs> I've got the picture of Phoebe. Because <laughs> we've never lived in a time where we've had a window on so many people's worlds, right? No. So that, that, that temptation to compare and contrast is what, awful. What was nice was when I was training at Har, um, I was told to listen to Fia Taran and Lila and Sean Welby. So I had like Lila in my oh, ear. God. I, was having, I was naked in my bath with a bath bomb. <laughs> 
bath bomb. But, I mean, literally, they said you've got to listen to these three for the for two weeks solidly. So, and I think there's moments like that where you don't actually you wouldn't say that to your friend often, but it's like I was listening to you and you're freaking amazing, and uh, you Aww. were part of my training to get to where. I was, but you know, you can you can still there can be just the positive mm. moments that never get mentioned. I think along yeah. the way, but um, we're also allowed to have those moments of like oh, and just feeling a bit low and a bit off that day. That's yeah. okay too, you know. Well, my auntie Janet, she messaged me on um, Instagram the other day because I put a picture up on a Sunday of uh, Matt and I at an event, and she said, "Oh, interesting to see why you didn't make it for Sunday lunch." It was really like passive aggressive, and I was like. Auntie Janet, like that. Auntie Janet. Auntie Janet. I was like, you trolling me? And uh, I wait, said, this was on Instagram. This was on Instagram. Stop. Like, oh my god, she and, went in hard. And Janet, I just, Janet, Janet pissed. <laughs> and I was like, Auntie Janet, this is a conversation for WhatsApp. This is not to go like, like just go to go viral. I'm like, well, interesting to see why you didn't make it to Sunday lunch. Okay, um, so question number three. It's all about your brand new book, Where's My Happy Ending? Question mark. Written with your husband, which in itself is quite a feat to work alongside each other. How do you do it? Chapter by chapter, page by page? Yeah, we wrote the first nine chapters without each of us seeing it. And then we read it and then wrote the tenth chapter. Oh, that's um, quite interesting. Did you did they match or were they completely contrasting? They were quite contrasting. Uh, I think that's great. I think that's a great exercise in keeping your marriage alive as well. It was quite. It was a bit meta at times. I'm going to be honest in that. Yeah, we, it was hard. You know, though it was because we're going through a difficult time. You know, we're not particularly happy. If I'm being really honest, I love him, but that's not the same as happiness. So no, it's not. It was. Um, I don't want to divorce. I think that was it. We don't want to break up. I don't want to divorce, but. I want more than this. We were sort yeah, of questioning. Yeah, you want to readdress. Because that's really honest of you. It's amazing. Is, so what you decided that the book was written off the back of those discussions? Yeah, it was like, wow. well, you know, is this it? And we'd started questioning it. And then we decided we wanted to ask. Almost, It's almost like one last roll of the dice. And I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but we both had had, we'd written the book. We both had thoughts of breaking up, of leaving each other. Uh, fantasized about it to a certain extent and there was one point where we were having an argument about something banal like uh, in the garden I don't know a cat was pooing in the garden and I was like how do we deal with this because it was really stressing me out and then it escalated into something where it ended with me just going would you do you just want me to fuck off then and I fucked off um, <laughs> upstairs because I had my slippers on and wasn't going to go outside. <laughs> and the cat um, shit. The I'm cat shit. And it was just there was a lot going on. I fucked off upstairs, you know, into kind of this fuck off purgatory, you know, where you sit and you're like, I'm a child again. You know, I was up there crying, not really knowing where to go with this. Lost. You know, very lost. But more than anything, I think I just felt quite alone in a house that was full of people. Uh, and I think that was the point where I thought either we need to go to therapy, we need to write something, we need to talk about this, but I don't want to sit in this average greyness for the next 10, 20 years. Because I want to go children. back to where we started. And uh, I think I realised Matt and I were talking to strangers in about, a much nicer way yeah. than, than we were to each, each other. other. Yeah, and I thought, what is that? Uh, so that is the book. Really? Wow. And I cannot wait to get my hands on it. You went out and you chatted to people from every um, 
aspect of life. Um, you talked to monks. You interviewed porn stars. And it was your quest to understand the secret to, to long-lasting love, everlasting love. Yeah. Uh, did you find your answers? We did in a very, a very um, random place. Uh, and I think I was really skeptical going into it. To be absolutely frank, I was like, we need some money. We need to write a book. And it was we went into it going, we can do that. And we have experience to bring to the table and we will we will write the book. And what I did written books previously, we'd written books. That's previously. your background professionally. Like, that's our bread and butter. And I went into it. I'm not going to find the answer. I was a bit skeptical. And mm. I was like, we might find some interesting discussion along the way. But the answer really came through three different people. One was a uh, transgender professor who transitioned at 57. Wow. Sorry, who transitioned at 47. Uh, had two kids and a wife. And um, he, he, when he transitioned and became Bethany from um, Barton, the quote that really stuck, stuck out for me was... Um, she was like, well, you know, I was suddenly this transgender poster girl for the University of Oregon. Everyone was like, look at this amazing woman. She's transitioned, etc." But I was still a bit sad. You know, I wasn't, my happy ending wasn't suddenly transitioning. Your happy ending isn't suddenly getting married or suddenly becoming a youth worker or suddenly finding this one big defining thing. And the point where I found happiness along the way was realizing that, uh, I was expecting so much of Matt. I was pulling it all onto his shoulders. He is the one to fix my problems. Mm -hmm. He is the one to make me happy. You know, he is the one to sort this out. And when actually it was an old, uh, the UK's oldest fisherman who has been married 72 years and has never left Whitstable, he said uh, the key to happiness is... Uh, when I'm out there in the water and I fall overboard, I'm not expecting my wife to haul me out. I'm expecting someone else there, whoever is there, to just haul me out onto deck. And he was like, if I'm expecting her to save me every single time, the pressure of that is going to be too much for her. He's like, my son has saved me. My best mate has saved me. He's like, the guy next door who I have a few whiskey macs on a Sunday with has saved me. And he was like, we have lost this community. Ironically speaking, uh, in yeah. terms of what Lila was saying, we've lost this communication and community outside of this one person gets married. It's so binary and so constraining and so unrealistic. I'm putting so much pressure on one person. Yeah, yeah. to, to have all the answers. To, to have yeah. all the answers. One thing that resonates with me and that I've definitely learned over the years is that you can't look for... You know, you hear all these people in their wedding speeches saying, he completes me. But I think that's utter bullshit. You're not a, like a vase that's looking for its final broken piece yeah. to fit in. You need to be complete on your own as a yep, sole human before you can have a functional, healthy relationship, if you're constantly looking for them to fulfill you, fulfill you then and what, it's not going to work because you're expecting way too much from them. And then you say, like, the wedding day is, you know, the best day of your life. And it's like, well, what the frick happens after that? Is it just yeah. a steady decline to, like, death and cancer? Yeah. <laughs> I love weddings. I think they're beautiful and romantic. But I do wonder sometimes if people wouldn't get as married as readily if it was just a case of saying... By the way, here's a contract, Kate. Would you like to be bound to me for the rest of your life if you sign that now? I don't think that's quite as sexy as saying, you know, go and put on an incredible dress and we'll have a magical fairy tale wedding. People will throw flowers at us. We'll yeah. be drunk. The end. Yeah. I mean, something as, as institutional as marriage, you know, you think about it, we've moved on a lot. I've yeah. never been married and it's not particularly on my agenda. Um, 
because I don't feel the need to belong to somebody. If I love somebody, then already they have me. Did you ever want to get married? Mm, no, really. No. I was going to get married. I'd written, I was writing the cheque for the deposit <laughs> on the venue when I thought, I'll just do a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant. And the wedding was nine months ahead and so was my baby. So I went, baby first. And then once you've had a baby, you think, I'm not spending that much money on one bloody day. Are you kidding me? Yeah, plus um, this is binding us together way yeah, more. <laughs> this is way more binding, absolutely. There's so yeah, no, never been married. But women are, um, fi- you know, I'm, I'm financially independent. Mm-hmm. So if I choose to be with Matt, it's because I choose to be with him for yeah. companionship. Um, not money, not yeah, yeah, yeah. shackles to him. Because you love somebody. I love him. But um, amazing so- to think that before the Women's Property Act... Um, you would everything that you owned would be his. Yeah, once and you, you would were have married. to get his permission and his signature on a mortgage. You yeah. couldn't have a mortgage, but he could. You could pay it, but it wouldn't belong to you. And it comes back to that. Please, sir, can I have some more narrative? And Anna, you've <laughs> taken some pretty sage lessons from this experience of writing the book. How are things with you and Matt now? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're, <laughs> Sam more convinced. Babe. Six and a half out of ten. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I think because we've put it in black and white, uh, where we stand with things, you know, um, I think it's helped him to see where I sit with things. He's always been like, you're overly emotional, you know, you're overly this. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm expressing an emotion. There is a difference. But the big thing I think that Matt and I both pulled out was um, Alan DeBoton, the, the love guru. He uh, said, all you've got to ask in all your relationships and friendships and, you know, anywhere where there's a hint of love is what does love need now? Stop thinking of the expectations, the frustrations, the WhatsApp messages that are flurrying in and the frustrations with somebody who's got a job maybe that you want, but you still love them very much, is what does it need actually now? And I texted my mate, Hersha, who's read the book, and she was like, Jono and I have just read the book. And uh, that was a bit that stood out. And I just asked him, I was like, what does love need now, Jono? And he was like, quite like a handjob. And she was like... He was like, what does love me now, Hersha? And she was like, I just really like a massage. And she was like, it's so simple, actually, with your friends and your partners, humans in your life. We're not talking about this binary 2.4 kids, white picket fence family. We're talking about humans. Look them in the eye and say, you know, kind of, what do you want to do? Like, what would mean a lot to you? And it could be, as we're saying with Lila, on a Monday, having lunch somewhere, but you might have to get there to make it a bit more convenient for your mates. Yeah. <laughs> I think the book might have saved things for you and Matt. The chapter on porn definitely helped. Um, in a positive way? way or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to be the vice editor at um, time at Amsterdam. So I've been to sex parties. I've reported on sex parties. I am not a prude. You know, like, so... I found porn a really affecting thing in our relationship. Like, we're just meant to accept it. It's just part of the narrative. It's just what guys do. They just need a release. It's just, just, just. When I just felt, no, actually, it's something that has invaded our space. He's mentally having sex with someone else. But yeah, I think it's... um, It was tackling these big subjects that lurk, whether you've been with someone for a week or whether you've been with someone Mm. for 10 years. Uh, Just what all those things, what the impact those things have on a relationship. And I remember saying to Matt, I was like, I know when you've watched porn because I come home and the bed that I've made, the the white company sheets that I've... (gasps) I know that The white company, you've got me. Yeah, I'm there, you're in. (laughs) They are... Not on the nice linens. I was just like, there's an indentation of your body on the bed and the curtains are slightly closed. And I'm like... 
And he's like, oh, how did you know? I was like, it's not rocket science. <laughs> you know, I was also the vice editor of Time Amsterdam. I'm fine with the stuff. It's just the sneakiness of it. But I think it must be hard when you, um, if there are problems in your sex life and then yeah. you know that they're still getting off somehow, that's, that's confusing exactly and really it. quite offensive and hurtful. They see it as a release. It's yeah. just a release. It's just a way of getting um, off, yeah. I think it's a funny thing, though. Uh, yeah, you've you know. tackled some really big questions with this book. I think she's brave, don't you? I think Lila? it's ridiculously brave, but I'm really interested to know how people will respond to it and if they will find some kind of some answers for their own relationships yeah. as well and some questions to raise within it and I think also not assuming happiness comes from that happily ever after with one other person that yeah. is what exactly Lila said and Samira Lawrence who we interviewed who's a 24 year old virgin she was like for me I was watching an amazing film and this guy I was on a date with, he just started touching me up. And I just, in that moment, just thought, I don't want you touching me up. I want to watch the film. And she said, I've been single ever since and really happy. And I can touch myself up and I'm really happy. And it was like, that was her happy ending. Yeah. It was acknowledging, I don't want someone just on me in the cinema. <laughs> and it was finding different people's happy endings. And yeah. the final one was the UK's longest serving lollipop lady. And she said, my That's husband died. <laughs> She's like 47 years in the job, same patch. And her husband died 10 years ago. And she said, my happiness is eating brown flakes in the morning, reading a really dark serial crime thriller and going and helping children cross the road. And I was like, that's actually amazing. That's something quite beautiful about it. Yeah, that. it's not this Disney happily ever after. Yeah. It's what you make it. It's really then, making me think about what I define as my... I don't know that there's a happy ever after. I just try to be happy in the moment. But I think it's easy to feel that there is a kind of, there are set markers of success and happiness yeah. in your yeah. life. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I get the sympathy looks when I'm single. Oh, but why are you single? You're so pretty. Uh, well, <laughs> it's because I choose to be single because I haven't met someone that I want to give, give up. Give myself to. Yeah. Give myself to and give up a lot of what makes me happy to let them into my life doesn't mean I don't I, I'm i open to the idea of a relationship but not for the sake of it this is exactly what you get uh, well and some fine music if you tune in to Heart at the weekends uh, you've got Lila on a Saturday night Anna on a Sunday night and Friday and, and a Friday as well yes. God, you're, you've got no weekends I'll come out with you on a Monday. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sunday night is my big night out. <laughs> it's just me sitting outside a closed pub. <laughs> we'll both. be there. Yeah. I'll FaceTime you, babe. Um, both, thank you so much. It's how been, thank you how so much. you enjoyed your white wine question time? Oh, it's been wonderful. I mean, it's sort of, I think the, the slight tipsiness definitely helps with the oversharing. Um, <laughs> yeah, she but, knows what she's doing. Uh, as always, white wine question time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Caitlin Mercer for Yahoo UK. On editing duties, God love him. Hashtag pray for Callum Goddard. Woo! And our music, as always, is provided by Andy Bell, who has a heap of brilliant music available on Spotify with Oasis, Ride and his solo material. And a quick tip, don't forget you can listen to this podcast on your in-home speaker. You don't have to plug in with your headphones, just ask Alexa or OK Google to play the latest episode of White Wine Question Time. We'll be back next week and please try to do, as we always do, overshare and drink responsibly. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.